0: Welcome to Leading Tomorrow, the Oakwood podcast about human resources, leadership, and the future of the workplace. Hello, everyone, and welcome to season two of the Oakwood podcast series, Leading Tomorrow. My name is Saima, and I'm your host. Trust and ethics are our topic of discussion on today's episode. Trust is the foundation of every relationship. And ethics are also equally important when it comes to how individuals are expected to behave in societies in general and within organizations. I'd like to give a very warm welcome to our guest today, Scott Hunter, who is an associate consultant at Oakwood International. Scott's going to be talking to us about the importance of trust and ethics. Hi, Scott, and welcome to Leading Tomorrow. How are you?
1: I'm good, and thank you for inviting me on, Simon. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Thank you for joining us. And would you like to give a brief introduction about yourself?
1: Yep. Uh, so, as you've always said, my name is Scott Scott Hunter, and I've been with Oakwood now oh, over ten years now. It's been ten years. It's your ten uh, so years anniversary. Been, it was the. I think it was this year, but like a lot of things because of COVID, it's just. I think it's just fallen, fallen by the wayside. So, yeah, I've been with Oakwood for ten years, delivering their um, mainly the CIPD qualifications, level three and level five around most of the GCC region. So, um, yeah, that's me. Wonderful. Really simple.
0: So so let's start talking about trust and ethics. So I know Mm. when I had approached you about your topic and what you would like to speak about, you said trust and ethics, and that you're very, very passionate about it. So what makes you passionate about these topics?
1: Um, Partly, well, I think... As you, said, as you said, trust is the basis of all positive relationships. Um, and there's research that says that we are basically in a trust-less society at the minute. There's a, there's a massive erosion of trust that's happening. Um, and there's a, there's a massive mistrust of information, false news, and everything else. So I think for people to be open and honest is a positive thing. And, uh, and it's something I, I, I feel that it should, be, should be available to everybody. And ethics is just, you know what, we should say what we do and we should we should treat everybody with respect regardless and we should be quite just fair. So fairness is, a, is one of my key key values and principles that I live by or try to live by. Um, and I think having positive relationships, again, is something that's key to how i like to be. So both of those, I think, are key or important in delivering that.
0: True. So I think a lot of times, people view ethics from a cultural lens so do you think Mm -hmm. that these concepts are independent or are trust and ethics complementary to one another
1: very difficult to see anything in isolation but you've got to recognize there are components that there might be a slight overlap between ethics and trust obviously Mm -hmm. because ethics is how we act um, what we do and the principles and driving by principles. But if that, how we act and what we do in our principles also feed into how much we are trusted or not by other people as well. So I mm-hmm. think there's there's things we do that can create a trusting environment. But also if we do that way, we probably are more ethical in the way we act that helps build that trust. So I think there's an interplay between them, but they are different things.
0: Okay. So, I also remember us mentioning Stephen Covey's trust dividend, and you wanted to mm-hmm. speak about that. So, let's talk about that.
1: Okay, yeah. This, so, this is Stephen Covey, not the Stephen Covey from Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, but his son. Okay. Um, so, his, so, his son, I think he, he, he added to the seven habits and created the eighth and identified the eighth, which he called trust. He then wrote a book called The Speed of Trust, where he looks at what trust is and behaviours and stuff. And he identified 13 core behaviours for trust.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But one concept I really like in the book um, is he calls it a trust tax or a trust dividend. And what he's saying is if you're at high levels of trust, it's a dividend. It makes business, your business, or it helps you do your business quicker and cheaper.
0: Mm-hmm. If
1: you have lower levels of trust, it's a trust tax which means that you do your business is slower and more expensive to do. So trust isn't just about; it's a nice thing to have. It's actually business essential. And if you think about relation and business is all about relationships anyway. So if we think we if we're working in a high trust environment, you're willing to do stuff for people. You're willing to. Maybe say, Oh, so I'll sort out we'll sort that out later, or we'll do this, or you can get one of your suppliers maybe more flexible with you because they trust that you're going to pay and they trust the way you've done in the past. Mm-hmm. If there's a lack of trust, they say, We want some money up front, so all of a sudden your business has become more expensive in cash flow terms, but also it's more complicated and slower in execution of activities. True, so that's where trust. I really think is a really good concept, thinking about trust. Do you want trust as something that's a dividend for your business or is it a tax on your business? Mm -hmm. So I I really like looking at trust. And that's also in in, in personal ways as well. if you've got high trust between people, that relationship is quicker and cheaper and easier to operate. If you've got low trust, it becomes more transactional when you have to renegotiate the level of trust on every transaction.
0: True. So you can say that there's a cost associated with mistrust.
1: Yes, and that's the tax aspect yeah. of it. Yeah. All so right. there, there's a there's a, a cost in time and money. Um and if people say business is money uh, money is time, so or time is money, then yeah, there's it's a double bubble for your 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 time because you get you get both aspects you get done for.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So trust is not a nice to have, it is a business imperative because we require, especially now. There's much more requires for collaboration, people to work cross-functionally, people working with other people in departments um, and the changing world of how the structure of organisations are happening and working in a hybrid environment where the traditional ways of managing aren't as uh, available because people are working more from home, working in dispersed environments.
0: Mm-hmm. So the
1: ability to generate trust in that is becoming is, is, is business critical now. It's not nice to have.
0: It's a it's a need to have and it's a non negotiable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I really like this use of term that you that you uh mentioned, which is trust is business essential. I really like that. I think it should be a, a very hard lined, non negotiable. So I mean, everyone understands in the organisation that trust is one of our values, without even spelling it out. So it's an implicit understanding.
1: Yeah, and I think what we've got to do is also look at what trust actually is. Mm-hmm. Because trust is complex as well. So if you think about it, you might trust somebody with your car keys, but you won't trust them to deliver a project on time.
0: True. That's
1: a good point. So trust trust is multidimensional. So it's not just about whether you trust or distrust somebody. There, There's layers within that level yeah. of trust you have with somebody. What do you trust them with or what do you distrust um, and why? So there's lots of things we need to be thinking about that will actually generate a high trust environment. And it's not just look at me you can trust me we will trust you to do what and why so it's not
0: Something really black like and white as much as we would like it to be so there are different hues
1: to it absolutely so i think it's it's um, there's different hues to it is and it's um, trust is fluid it's not static
0: mm-hmm.
1: so your actions so your actions that you do your uh, your everyday actions have a an impact on the level of trust people have in you all of them no matter what you do. So for instance, if you are if you want to be known as being reliable and want to be trusted as reliable, you might do projects on time, but every time you send an email to say, so, I'm sorry, it took me a while to, to send this email, that action in itself is damaging their trust in your reliability mm-hmm. because you're apologising for not doing something on time. It might just be an email, but that's sort of these these mini behaviours that we have every day Yeah, are either, either building our trust or damaging. So if you think about Everybody in the world, imagine you have a trust bank with them. Everybody. So 7.5 billion people. If you don't know them, never interacted with them, then your balance is zero. It's neutral because nothing's ever happened to influence that balance. But everybody else you know, every activity you're doing is paying into that trust bank or withdrawing from that trust bank. Now, if you withdraw too often, people are going to stop lending you money.
0: Yeah, that's um, true. So
1: you need to have a trust credit. Because then if you've got a trust credit and you ask for favours and you ask for stuff and things go wrong, you're drawing on credit. Mm. People are much more likely to allow that to happen. I did some research in America that if, if a company is trusted, 90% of consumers will give it a second chance if it makes a mistake. If it's not trusted, that, that number plummets. But 90% of people, of consumers, customers, are willing to give you a second chance if you make a mistake because they trust you, and therefore we can forgive a mistake because you've got a trust credit, and something that damages that trust is taken away from your credit. It's not a debit. Yeah. So you, so if you think about that, that every 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 interaction we have with each other, with people within an organisation, so your Twitter accounts, uh, your social media, what you do, how we talk to each other, hate our policies, and how we interact with other, all influence that level of trust, and also it's. It's not universal. You may trust somebody more than I do, even right. if they're the same interaction with them, because what you value they've done or what they've done for you, you've seen as more trustworthy than perhaps I have. Yeah. So, the so trust becomes again, subjective. It, it is subjective. Yeah, so trust becomes subjective, true.
0: Yeah. So um, how do we nurture a culture of trust and ethical behavior in organizations? Because you can tie these concepts to branding, reward, employee engagement, talent attraction, succession planning, um, making sure that attrition is minimized, retention is maximized, engagement is maximized. I'm just saying that off the top of my head. But have, mm-hmm. I think what's important is when we we speak about culture in the CIPD level three, five and seven, so that's like a constant theme throughout all of the qualifications across the different levels. But I guess my question would be, and the key question is, how would we nurture a culture of trust and ethical behavior in organization?
1: I think first is be clear about who you are. So what's your purpose? What's your identity? So what's your purpose and values? As an individual, as an organization, and be clear about what they are, but also be clear about what that looks like. So it's about the first part of building trust is about that level of awareness. And it's about reputation. What would you like to be known for? Or known as, and having that that thought process about okay, what do I want to be known as? So I think that's the first bit. So as an organisation, what is your purpose and what are your values? And what does that mean? What's important to you as a business? What are the principles that you want to act and sort of be the your guiding light, like your north star, so to speak, of what's important for you? So yeah. they're not just words on the wall, but they're actually understanding what they mean to everyone in the organisation and having a way of acting that. The second thing is then consistently acting, speaking, treating people in a way that is consistent with those values. So that's something we do every day. Remember every interaction, trust is fluid. You can yeah. spend weeks building it and then just say one off-the-cuff comment that will damage your reputation with somebody quite seriously.
0: Mm-hmm. Because of
1: one thing. So you may have had hundreds of interactions with somebody, which would be neutral, slightly positive then you have one, majorly, one, one thing you've said that really upsets somebody or is against what they believe you stand for. And then their trust in you is gone. It's yeah. been damaged a lot and it's going to take then hundreds of uh, other positive ones to overcome that negative. So it's about understanding where we are on the purpose then understanding what trust is. So it's, just about, it's not just about delivering projects on time and, and keeping to your word. It's doing things like saying what you mean and mean what you say.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: be open and honest in your communication
0: mm-hmm. and you
1: can say to people I'm going to tell you what I think that's cool we want you to tell people what you think but there's ways of doing it that are respectful and there's ways of doing it are damaging so your interaction with people is important then think about why you're doing something so you're doing something for the greater good so don't operate to hidden agendas
0: transparency
1: so it's all that openness and transparency in how we are what we're doing why we're doing it and consistently being that way but really understanding trust. So you could look at something called, there's the um, equation by a trusted advisor, and they've, they've got a trust equation if you want to think about how to break it down. And that's things like, uh, so trust equals credibility plus reliability plus intimacy divided by self-orientation. So what that means is credibility is why, why are you credible for what you're doing? So how do you build your credibility? How do you demonstrate credibility on a day-to-day basis? Then reliability, and that's not just about delivering projects on time but being consistent. So I know I've got an idea of mm-hmm. what you might say or do if I ask you something because mm-hmm. I, I can reliably um, predict what's going to be important to you and where you might come from. Mm-hmm. So there's yeah. that consistency, reliability of saying, saying what you um, th- delivering on your promises. So committing to what you know you can. Don't overcommit. Yeah. Be aware of your own your own capabilities and operate within those. Develop yourself consistently so you gain that credibility with people.
0: Mm-hmm. Be
1: open and honest in your communication so people believe what you say.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, so talk with authority using evidence to support, rather than being judgmental with people. So if somebody says, "Why do you think that?" you say, "I think that because that builds credibility because what you're saying is based on." on facts it's not just opinions or if it is an opinion you say i'm not too sure it's just an opinion i have but my opinion is based on so again yeah open and honest. say what you th- say what you mean and mean what you say and then intimacy is about that ability to have a a conversation that's beyond just the transactions of work yeah so people feel comfortable talking to you about stuff that's personal to them Yeah. So that sort of emotional, being able to communicate at a more emotional, not just a transactional level. And that partly is because you're open to doing that and you do it yourself, but also respect people's confidence. Don't gossip. Because if you're gossiping talking about somebody who's not in the room, I'm thinking, well, if you say that about them when I'm they're not here, what are you saying about me when I'm not here?
0: True.
1: So am I therefore willing to tell you stuff that's important to me? Because how do I know you're not going to tell somebody else or to have a discussion about this when I'm not here with other people? So gossip is an easy way to damage trust. And then all of that is divided by self-orientation. So what are your motives? Are you working to your agenda or are you working to a common agenda? Mm -hmm. So if we think about trust and all those types of things, Everything we do influences that equation in some way or another with people. Yeah. And as a business as well, that works at an individual level, but it also works at a business level. True. But that's driven by individual experiences.
0: Absolutely. So trust, you have to make sure the trust isn't fractured. because, And this ties in very well with the, the concept that it takes years to build credibility and your reputation, but it takes seconds to completely destroy it. So it's even more imperative to protect the trust.
1: Yeah, and if you look at it in a, a purely business sense as well, trust and confidence in you and your brand, organizations, you can look and say, there are companies, and I can't remember who does it, that actually tell you the value of a brand. Yeah. That that brand has an intrinsic value, has, it has a dollar value to it, mm-hmm. um, because it, it makes um, recruitment quicker. If you've got a good brand, people come and work with you. If they trust you, they're more willing to apply. So your recruitment process, your time to fill drops. And maybe people are applying to you, therefore you don't have to go to agencies. So that's a cost. Mm-hmm. So a high trust business will probably find a positive impact on their recruitment process, the recruitment cost, time to fill, quality of their applicants. People mm-hmm. probably want to stay in your company longer. Therefore, you don't have such a high turnover, which is a, uh, with the hidden cost and other costs of a business have a negative impact. Mm-hmm. So there are there are just so many financial business reasons why fostering and building a trusting culture and environment in the business pays dividends.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's
1: it. It's a dividend it pays. It's, think about it as an investment. It's not a cost. The cost is not doing it.
0: Yeah, There's always a cost to the choices that we make naturally, and everyone has a choice. So... I'm just going to talk about this um, American multinational technology company and how they're in the news about rebranding. So because the current brand, the current name, has just elicited so much mistrust based on what the organization has done. So now there's this new strategy that they're working on rebranding. Do you think that that will really elicit more trust out of you and I as
1: I think it depends how, from the perception say, because trust is an individual. How syna- how cynical are you about the rebranding? Is the rebranding about them going in a new direction, or is the rebrand purely to try and deflect some of the negative um, PR that's been going on around this company for mm-hmm. for a number of years now? But they are definitely in the middle of a PR crisis.
0: Yeah.
1: My view is my view is that the the rebranding itself is insufficient to long-term build trust with people and maintain trust. Because it, if the things that are happening and getting into the news continue to happen, they'll get into the news again. It will become apparent. But people are less willing to excuse it yeah. than they used to be. I read an interesting, I can't remember, it some of, again, another interesting article that said, will organisations stop apologising? Because what you yeah. hear now is, I'm ever so sorry, it was a judgement call. I'm ever so sorry, it was the well, thing you shouldn't have done it in the first place. And saying sorry isn't necessarily going to build trust. And you can look at corporate behavior. This is where ethics comes in a lot. Look at corporate behavior that's uncovered through COVID and through the crisis we had in 2009 about the negative corporate behavior and sort of where companies were, like in America, people were opening bank accounts to meet targets for people who didn't even know they were having bank accounts open. And then the senior yeah. management was saying, oh, it was just some people. We had no knowledge of it. Well, then there's an issue with governance in your organization. But that how many people actually believed? How many people believed the senior management? So there's a, there's, a, there's, a lack of, there's a lack of transparency and believability when these, the senior managers, you look at Volkswagen and, and Dieselgate,
0: yeah. senior
1: managers saying, oh, it was a couple of engineers who created this. How can something a couple of engineers created get into millions and millions and millions of cars.
0: Absolutely.
1: And eventually somebody is now, um, I believe they've they've arrested somebody in charging one of the senior execs from uh, that group in Germany. I believe I haven't read it in the news for a while.
0: Yeah.
1: So I think partly, and that's another thing about trust is that consistency as well. And it just sometimes appears that when things go wrong, sometimes you feel senior management and what they say and how they come to the public and you go, really?
0: It's a cop-out. Really? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And it's
1: all oh, we apologise. If you look at the amount of times over the last three years companies like Facebook have gone to Congress yeah. and said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, we need to do better. Well, stop apologising and start doing better. Start being more ethical. Start okay. managing your business in line with principles and being open and honest. That's the way of doing it. That will have the impacts that we're looking for. And if you think about the loss of trust, there's a, there's, there's a loss of trust in Facebook because the amount of times of... Uh, As an example, the amount of times recently they were in front of the Congress again from this, um, from one of their execs or managers who came in front of Congress and gave her evidence about what she said was going on. Mm -hmm. And then you can now, looking at what's coming out of that meeting, that the chances are, or there is now a risk, a real risk, that companies, the big tech companies, potentially will be broken up by governments. Yeah. So when they're going for the way they're acting in this way that could be unethical, which is about growth and pushing for growth and getting a big making a business more profitable, bigger and everything else, eventually once the trust erodes, then things will happen. And if they do break the company up, then all of those actions they've done, this unethical behaviour, create this big company, is actually backfired and the company's gonna get broken up anyway. Whereas if they Absolutely. grew the company ethically and people believed that the company was there and doing good, the pressure on breaking the company up would be minimal because Absolutely. we trust it.
0: I think governance so, is very, very important. It's critical. You can't have senior management just raising their hands and saying, well, oops, I don't know. or shrugging their shoulders that we didn't know. That, I think, reflects even more poorly that A, that's a cop-out. You're just backing out from taking uh, any responsibility. There's no accountability. And the fact that your apology just loses its meaning. It just erodes over time. Because if you're constantly apologizing, it means that, yeah, you know, you're going to get away with it. And I feel that a lot of organizations feel that they're untouchable. And that's why they just go off piste and they do whatever they, whatever they want to, knowing that there will be little to no repercussions. So- and I
1: think we might, yeah, some of that might be changing. So if you look at ESL, is it ESG, environment, society, and governance
0: mm-hmm.
1: are coming in now much, much heavier. So you've got companies now who will not invest in companies unless the company has good levels of governance. Mm -hmm. is clear about the the impact it's having on society and the the environment generally so it's about companies being there to do good rather than just make profit so it's not just about what the shareholders want and value for money for shareholders now that some of these investment companies are looking for Um, there's a movement of people now looking at how can we create an ESG grade or score which is not Mm -hmm. just about you and your organization but it's about whoever you do business with. So if okay. you're in a, who's in your supply chain, what companies are you using in your supply chain and think, okay, how ethical is that company that we're dealing with? And yeah. we can't just say, the, the the saying, well, we don't know, it's not our company. That's not going to wash for not much longer. Yeah. There is a much more pressure from consumers, from regulators, and from the investors now saying, well, you need to be aware of what's the impact of your product. And it's not just the impact of your product or you're doing within your business, but what's the impact of your products through the, the whole supply chain? Yeah. Is, 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 are we, is child labour being used? Is, are the working conditions of your people in your supply chain adequate? What checks and balances have you now got in place so you can truly say, We are an ethical business, not just in what we do, but how we operate and who we operate with. And we put pressure on our supply chain to be ethical as well. Because what you'll find is we are moving towards a more conscious consumer who is willing to pay more for the products that they believe in.
0: Thank God for that.
1: I think I think Definitely. we are changing. There there is a definite shift, and so about what's the story behind the brand? What's the story behind your products and services? Yeah. What are you doing? What's important to you? And how can I? And if I believe in that, I'm much more likely to stay with you, trust you, and be loyal as a consumer. And also, you'll attract people with the same mindset. So the ethics is becoming much more important now because it is actually driving consumer decisions recruitment decisions and investment decisions
0: but i think it's also because consumers have easier access to information so i think that's why we're also becoming more conscientious um, in Mm -hmm. our purchasing um, trends or behavior rather i think that has a major role to play with it but then again you have a lot of sporting brands that sell apparel and you know they have very little accountability even though they're running sweatshops then i mean there is uh, some uproar about it but then as is the case with every piece of news it d- dies down so a lot of organizations wait it out for consumers to move on to the next piece of hot news without taking any action what do you think about that
1: well i think that's about what what's important to that business and that's yeah. a decision the senior management take in what they do. Um, and I do believe eventually things, things will change in the companies that are. So if you look at the big brands that people want to wear, then they've got more, I suppose, more leeway to wait it out because they're more likely to survive. Yeah. They, um, because even if people start um, boycotting their brands, they've got so many customers Agreed. That they're likely to continue. But then if they're still on a a thing of growth and that's going to make that growth more difficult, it may be that they're going to have to go onto a marketing campaign now to sort of rebuild that brand and that image. So that's another cost that will be into the business because they've got to rebuild some of that trust. So there's always going to be a flip side. And what I'd assume is the choice will be made is what's this flip side for this business against the benefits of still running the way we do run and making the profit we do and dealing with the occasional uproar and then the associated costs with that. And that that could be a decision that people have made, but I was talking to um, somebody called Jeff Hudson. So he talks, he's done a lot of work around trust and he he talks a lot about how we can build it. And he he was, he's a, he goes into organizations at quite a high level and, and helps sort them and helps them with their strategy and, And he was saying he worked with a company and his company was not doing very well. But by building that purpose-led culture within the business that was high trust, purpose-led culture, they turned this company around in relatively short time into a highly uh, high functioning, high profitable, high growth organization purely Mm -hmm. by reconnecting to the purpose and getting the people in the organization to buy into that purpose. And then they were trusting each other. I was talking to another person the other day about their senior management team. They were looking at working with their teams, no matter what they came up with decisions and things were slow and cumbersome in their business. They were a high growth, medium sized business. And what they realized was there was a lack of trust in the business. So they worked hard at building trust within the senior management team. And once they got that trust in the senior management team working, they said, we're operating much quicker, much more effectively, much more efficiently as a unit. And, People in the shop floor can see that and they've responded positively to that because we've built a high trust culture within our senior management team. So things like if somebody says they're going to take a project on, then I trust they're going to do that and I don't micromanage it or I don't check it. And the good thing is now that that's off my table and I can concentrate on something else. Mm-hmm. So trust improves efficiency as well because if I trust you've said you're going to do something, I trust, trust you are only going to say you're going to do it when you believe you can. hmm then I can leave you with it. And that's all. Now, now that's, I don't have to worry about that. I can move it, I can move it off my, my desk and then I can concentrate on the next thing that's happening. Yeah. So, but again, it's about people being confident and saying, yes, okay, I can take that on. I'm happy to do that. I've got the capability to do it. And then saying, actually, I don't think I'm in the position to do that. And again, you've got to be in a position where you, you trust the person you're talking to to say those types of things and have that open and nice conversation as well. True. Sure. So, one of the best definitions of trust I've ever heard, I say I've got to get it right now, is trust. And I can't remember the guy who wrote it either, but I've got his book. Trust is trusting somebody else with something of value of yours that could do that you could do them harm with or you're trusting somebody with something of perceived value that, that could harm you whatever that is whether that's mm-hmm. financial harm, emotional harm, physical harm.
0: Yeah.
1: So you could I trust somebody that they're going to catch me if I fall over. That's I'm gonna trust you that you're gonna catch me in something that I value is my body and there could be physical harm if you don't. I trust that I'm gonna send money to somebody to buy something and then they're gonna send me a product. Because if it doesn't work then I've lost my money and it's a financial impact and harm to me.
0: That's actually a very good example because a lot of trust building, um, team building activities have this exercise where you have two people facing each other. One, one person is asked to turn their back on the other person and they're asked to let themselves go so that their colleague mm-hmm. can hold them and you can see, it's it's actually quite amusing. You can see the level of anxiety on people's faces because they're not too sure. So then that, that shows that the trust is shaky. Sometimes people say, no, I'm not going to let go because, you know, like, for example, you and I. So you could easily say, no, I'm not going to let myself fall because I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm I was going to hang on, to, hold on to me or not, break my fall or not. And there's also a point where, one person is asked to move away so that the person falls. And it's a very interesting activity. I know I'm not explaining it very well, but it's a very, very interesting trust-building activity that, to see how how much people trust one another in an organisation and with people that they don't know very intimately.
1: I think that's, that's mm-hmm. what's interesting. But I think, the, again, understand the dynamics of trust because people could find that quite offensive. Oh, you don't trust me then. Well, it's not I don't trust you. Yeah. But... I'm, I weigh 95 kilos. I'm not sure you're, you have you can actually do it. so it's a yeah. trust about somebody's capability. It's not a True. trust it's not a distrust of their personality or mm-hmm. their character.
0: yeah it's a
1: capability issue. True. So again, when we do that, I think we get, again we do these things which is great about trust, but how during these events, how much do we actually explore what we mean by this event so that we don't have people saying Oh, obviously, they took ages, they don't trust me. I yeah. said, well, no, it's not I didn't trust you. I said, but look at the size of you compared to the size of me.
0: You so can I'm run people lying. the wrong way.
1: <laughs> well, they take they infer that the yeah. trust is about my personality, not about yeah. my capabilities. Yeah. So again, I think we've got to look at what is being tested and what is the what is the trust that's being asked of this person.
0: Yeah, that's
1: true. So the true. lay again, that complexity of the layers of trust will influence it. So I think that's something to consider. in and But the other thing is also when you do those team buildings, and um, I've got nothing against it because I love experiential learning, is how much time do people actually unpick that exercise at the end?
0: Reflection, yeah.
1: And I and bet you a lot of times they don't. If they don't unpick it, then it's not a learning experience. It's an experience with no learning added to it. Yeah, it's
0: just the next And the risk and then-
1: of that is... People are taking their own learning away, which could be positive or negative, um, but you're not unpicking what's in there to allow people to really explore as a group and have those open conversations about what actually went on. Um, So the learning that can come out of that can be detrimental to the outcomes you were looking for. It could actually damage the trust in the team, not build it. So I, I do think we don't, when we do this thing about trust, what is it? I don't think enough people, when they do these events and when they look at They really try to unpick trust sufficiently to have people to have a a deep enough understanding to really look at what trust actually means and then how that can be translated into the workplace.
0: Mm -hmm. True. So I feel that at times the culture of an organization strongly impacts trust and ethics, but it's never really inherent. It needs to be learned. So, Because a lot of people will misinterpret or take it for granted. So I think it, this is something that learning and development and HR really need to completely have oversight and take full responsibility and engage senior management in this. What are your thoughts?
1: Well, I think anything to do with culture is, um, is the responsibility of HR and L&D to foster. And it's when we talk about the things like a learning culture, I said you, can't, you don't want to create a learning culture because one already exists, True. what happens in your organization? People are learning every day in your organization. What is acceptable and unacceptable? How, how do we operate with each other? How do I do my work? How do I do my job? Mm-hmm. How do we speak to each other? What's acceptable and unacceptable and how we treat each other and deal with customers? They learn that every day. I think what yeah. HR and L&D have got to look at is, okay, how can we guide that learning that's happening to create this high trust environment?
0: So yeah. it's not about creating a learning
1: environment, it exists. It's about creating an environment that enables high trust conversations and activities to happen. And that's where, as I say, people need to feel safe in giving something of value that may cause them harm to somebody else. Now, if we really look at that's what trust is, I think it's a beautiful uh, definition of trust. Then it really flips well, one of the questions I do when I speak to sort of managers and HR people and say, what are you doing today? That demonstrates you're worthy of trust Mm
0: -hmm. because
1: the word is trustworthy yeah so what are you doing that makes you worthy of somebody else's trust an individual person a group of people and then saying what are you doing to demonstrate you trust
0: that's a good question very good question yeah
1: so what why are you worthy of somebody's trust think about it that way then you think about trust as something i've got to earn or I've got to make myself worthy for. I don't get it because I'm a CEO. I don't get it because I'm a, a line manager. I don't get it because I'm head of HR. Yeah. Because I think we need to. We need trust that's not positionally based, but based on how we interact as individuals.
0: Any positive examples that have resonated with you where trust and ethics have been managed well?
1: I'm trying to think in an organisational context where I've heard of trust and ethics doing well. I think sometimes if you've got... Um, I'm trying to think of an example, a specific one, and I can't, I can't remember where it was, but something happened in an organization and the senior management just came out and said, yeah, we made a mistake. Hands up. We didn't do it right. This is what we're going to do differently. So you saw somebody taking accountability of what was going on. And therefore, and they say, this is not what was what we should be doing. Also, a CEO recently was, there was a, something that was said or something anonymously was put up, which was um, offensive. And it was put up in an organization, so it was, put up, it was either on a poster or something that was put up, and it was a potentially offensive or harassing poster that should it should never have been uh, put up. But it was anonymous,
0: mm-hmm.
1: as a lot of times these acts are. And the CEO sent a letter to everybody in the organization and said, somebody in the organization did this. This is mm-hmm. against the principles and ethics of our organization. hmm Whoever you are, you are not welcome here. Please find yourself somewhere. Please find yourself somewhere where that behavior is acceptable because it is not here. I love that.
0: That's amazing.
1: So you've you've got a CEO who is challenged, and we can't do anything, so it's not a huge investigation, but you think about what that action has done. It's a CEO acting as a role model saying, I'm not accepting this, and I'm asking to leave my company. Um, And I'm being open to people and actually – expressing the values of our business and how important they are to us and as long as then they continue to act that way and they sort of walk the talk so to speak then i think that's a great example of reinforcing the ethics in the business and saying you know what as a senior management these values are important to us as a business and in this action i am demonstrating that i value them as well so you're saying to the whole company we're not we're not accepting stuff outside of these values they are important they're core to what we do I was working with a company in America when they were doing some um, looking at when they were hit by COVID and they're very much about a corporate social responsibilities and a big underpinning of what they do. And we were mm-hmm. doing a, uh, an event. So we had about 70 of their staff there. Senior management were there, but they just said, uh, they just introduced the event
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then he said, okay, so this is what we're here for. Boom, 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 boom. And we're going to, and they then participated as participants. So they didn't lead it. They let, the team I was with lead it. So I was, I was fortunate enough to be part of this, this team doing this event. And what they were looking at is how they could work and meet the values that they think was important to them through COVID. So one of the things they used to as a business is they used to have this, uh, they used to give everyone a day off to go and do communities work. And they mm-hmm. used to all go from the head office, jump in a bus, go to do something in a community project, maybe like cleaning up the beach or whatever it is, but they're doing something yeah. for the community. They'd have lunch and everything else. And that was all part of the organization. It, was, it wasn't was a day, then it wasn't part of their annual leave. The company arranged, the company f- facilitated all that because that was an important part of their principles. So they were asking, through COVID, how can we still deliver this principle of helping our community within the confines that we've got in COVID? Mm-hmm. So that was an organization that says, yeah, COVID has stopped us doing what we normally do and it's important to us. So what we want to do is find a way around it. But what importantly we're going to do is we're going to ask our staff to help us find the solution. And they opened that question up to everybody and put them into different groups, brainstormed, done that, done that. And within that session, at the end of that session, they had created a whole new approach to how they can deliver their corporate social responsibility because they were listening to creativity at the time. And then the senior management team at the end said, thank you very much for that. We've got to do some checks to make sure this is feasible and how this is going to work. But the principles of it, we are going to work with and look at introducing. Yeah. So I think that creates high trust because you've given something to people as a senior manager. You've allowed them the space to do it. You've listened to what they're going to do, but you've been honest with them. You're not saying, oh, great idea. We're going to run with it. We still have to make sure this is feasible, this is doable, yeah. and we're going to do that, but we're going to keep you in the loop. So in two weeks' time, we're going to report back to you about what we found out. So they committed to doing some action, and they reported back. And within three months, they had introduced this whole new system. Was a, there was a whole reward structure they built wow. through their staff and gamified it within, I think it was a 90-minute creative brainstorming session and and bits that we facilitated
0: and i think that's
1: example of a high ethical purpose driven but with high levels of trust because staff felt trusted enough and they trusted and that's where trust is about they trust me enough to be involved but i trust them enough to share my ideas
0: and it's a reward because you're being accountable as well so it creates accountability
1: Raise accountability, the senior management took accountability and responsibility for taking an idea forward, Yeah, and then people were bought into that project, but it was helping deliver the principle of the organisation, but also that people in the organisation felt connected to because yeah. they helped create it. Helping you. How totally. they, absolutely, but it's how they feel <laughs> it should. we should do it. So
0: mm-hmm. the chances
1: of engagement, the chances, and then they looked at the potential impact as well, and it massively increased the social corporate social responsibility, impacts impact of the organization for less money.
0: That's amazing.
1: So it was just a massive win-win because they just opened the thing up to the whole staff and the staff felt trusted because they'd been given the opportunity to do it and they trusted senior management enough to share their ideas and feel safe to share ideas. And then the management then trusted their staff enough to, to come up with these ideas. And then they took that, okay, that baton was then passed to them and they then delivered on what they promised. So, again, you're, again, reinforcing that level of trust. That whole, that whole process reinforces a high-purpose, high-value, ethical, trusting environment, which resulted in much better publicity, much better connection to various communities because they, people were dispersed now because of COVID, much higher profile for the organisation and its impact and yeah. less expenditure.
0: I think that's amazing. I think the key things, so, the, the key terms that we've been speaking about if I were to summarise this, I think trust is this business essential, it's fluid, you're looking at consistency, commitment, transparency, trust improves efficiency, creates accountability. I think these are really hard-hitting terms, which aren't impossible to achieve. It's all about the mindset, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. And, and I think sometimes, and this is, the, the, I think, one of the issues with HR, we think what we do is fluffy, but what we actually do is business essentials. And once we can connect the impact of what we do, you're then saying what we do is business essential. Because basically business, if you ask what's the definition of an organization, is a group of people working towards a common goal. And that, for that to be effective, there needs to be trust because it's relationship-driven. Exactly. So we help create those, the framework that delivers those positive relationships that deliver those outcomes, those business outcomes. But I think we sometimes get, how can we prove our value well, if, if, if we weren't there, then what would the organisation look like? And the thing about also, think I quite like as a thought experiment, when I talk to somebody about values and how important values are, and they say, oh, I was a bit washy, we can't embed them and do that, which is another yeah. total cop-out. It's difficult, we can't do it. I said, no, you just haven't thought about how to do it. If it's difficult, you should be doing it, because look at, if you do do it, look at the advantage you're going to have with the people who don't do it. But anyway, I just, as a thought experiment, think about going into work in a workplace where there are no values where there are no norms, acceptable norms. It's the jungle. Or guiding principles. Yeah. What would that be like to work for?
0: Yeah.
1: And most people would say, I really wouldn't want to work in that. Exactly. So, so you have some values in your business. They exist because there are norms within your business about what normal behavior is. Because you've thought about what it's like not to have them. Yeah. And that's, it's, 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 as you say, it's like a jungle. It's like, a, it's like the Wild West. Hopefully, your business isn't like that. But so, if it's like a jungle or the Wild West, I said, Well, no, there's some structure and order and, and ways people are working in your business. So, exactly. there are values in your business. They exist. Mm-hmm. So, it's not a nice to have. They exist anyway. But yeah. wouldn't you like to have some guidance and control and influence over what they are and how they're impacting on your business?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. All right. Thank you very much, Scott.
1: You're more than welcome.
0: So to all our listeners, thank you for joining us today, and we hope you enjoyed today's episode. And thank you once again, Scott, for being on the podcast. For more information on Oakwood International's qualifications and short courses, please visit our website. That's www.oakwooddubai.ae. You can also access our blogs in the podcast there. Join us next time where we talk about our coaching and mentoring programs. Take care, everyone. and Stay safe.